มตัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมตัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมตัสสะภะคะวะโตอะระหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนามาสามิสวัสดีวันนี้คือ10เมษายนถ้าผมจำไม่ผิดก็ถูกไหม2022วันนี้เป็นวันที่ประหลาดของฉันวันนี้เป็นวันของคุณพ่อของฉันและเขาจะเติบโตถึง44ปีคุณรู้จักเขาไหมเขาอยู่ที่นี่เขาเป็นคนที่มีลูกสาวสองคนที่มาทุกปีแต่ไม่มีปีคุณรู้ไหม And <coughs> just a few days ago, a couple days ago, a c h a n a m r o asked me what I can give a talk, and uh, it was a very interesting experience. I'm apparently the new addition, newest addition into the team when where a c h a n a m r o can ask what I can give a talk. And uh, that brings me back actually to a time when I was, uh, say, um, more nervous about this thing. It's like when I was 18. It's like more than 20 years ago. After my secondary school uh, from the Netherlands, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, let's continue. Like after the secondary school, when I was 18, I went to America for a year, and uh, I. Um, For one year, and I um, applied for university there. And at the time, I was very, um, maybe a bit ambitious and eager, and so I, no, I, I would call myself stupid now. But uh, at the time, it was very uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, proactive about things, and I signed myself for uh, third-year classes, even though I was 18 and I was just an, sort of like a student. I could sign up for any classes in that university, and I was very uh, overzealous. And uh, I signed up for something called uh, Class 301, if you know the American system, third-year class, and called management skills. And at that, in that class, what they try to teach you is how to present in, in front of the class, and you know, speaking abilities, and writing, and presentations. And I remember the, you know, I think the second or third class. One of the things was quite soon any one of us in that little group of 20, 30 people have to stand in front of the class. And you have to imagine I'm, uh, you know, Dutch and I grew up in Holland and uh, I know Dutch enough. But in uh, Dutch, in my time, the Dutch school system doesn't really teach you how to present. So I think. Maybe less than five times in my whole 18 years, uh, through the primary school and secondary school, I stand in front of the class and then explain something. And each time I remember, it was quite nerve-wracking. So I find myself in a foreign country, in a foreign language, uh, at a class that was maybe a bit too difficult for me, standing in front of the class uh, to to present something. And I do remember. I typed it all out what I wanted to say. It's a piece of A4, and I was standing in front of the class and I was like. And I was sort of trying to read through, and I couldn't breathe properly, and I was just like trying to get it to finish. And I remember my mind told me something like, "Wow, I still feel so sorry for you, you know, for myself, you know, for for this." And uh, and and somehow my mind, I don't know how your mind works. My mind mind says like, "I never want to experience this again." And I have to conquer this, you know. I have to make sure that I know how to do this. So I. Made a, a pact with myself uh, that each time uh, in the classroom, I was the, for the one year in America. If someone will ask in a group, so normally you work in a group with three or four people, and someone like who wants to present, and I told myself if anyone asks that, I'll say yes, me, you know. So through that whole year, I do remember at the end of the year, I felt a bit more confident. You know, I went through a lot of this kind of shaky and nervous and not being able to breathe, and you know, this kind of. I had it just now as well, but sort of like a nervous sense, and you know, oh, what's going to happen now, you know? But that is something that I sort of got used to it. Something that um, it's unpleasant, but something that doesn't last as well. That I also noticed that you know, uncomfortable feelings or 
because of situations. And that's how, how I sort of program my mind, let's say, or condition my mind to address these things. And um, I do remember at the time <clears throat> when I went back to the Netherlands after the year, I enrolled uh, in a, uh, one of the programs in Holland. And um, after the second year there, the, the program that organizes it uh, nominated myself and another uh, another classmate to speak in front of the new years. You know, so we will be second year, and then the new first year will come. And I said, like, "Yeah, of course, no, no problem, I'll do it." And uh, I don't really think too much about it. And then uh, a few months passed, and you know, you have to no, no, maybe a few months, maybe a few weeks. It was before the summer holidays. You know, we start in August, September again, and. I remember this, this, this classmate of mine, she was very clever actually, she was uh, the top of the class. And she sent me, uh, I think, to me it felt like a few months ago, but maybe it was just a few weeks ago before we were supposed to present, sent me an email saying something like, oh, can you send me a, a slideshow? Like, you know, we do, I mean, I was a business student, so it was a lot about PowerPoints. But, you know, make slides, and I'm like, why now, you know? Like, why would I do it now? We haven't even thought about it. And then I was like, okay, you know, you want to be cooperative. And then I sent her, you know, something, um, something vague, let's say. And, and I sent it over and I thought, okay, that's fine. And then a few weeks later, I think, uh, um, close to the date, she asked me something like, oh, right, should we meet, meet up, meet up, uh, uh, you know, on the day itself, uh, to, uh, to practice? I'm like, practice. Okay, let's practice. And then she suggested something like two or three hours in advance or something. That's what my recollection is. Maybe it's just one hour, but I was like, what do we need to practice for two or three hours in advance? So I was like, okay, whatever, that's, we can do that. And, um, you know, they don't want to be, you know, just adept. So I went there. I remember it was in the, in the, uh, at the college, it was sort of like a canteen. So we entered the canteen and I was like, you know, trying to make that time, you know, and most probably I was a few minutes late. And I saw her sitting there, you know, with these cards, you know, she had all these cards and stuff. And I went there, I was like, oh God, I'm not prepared, you know, because I just had an idea of what to want to say. So luckily, you know, she asked me already for these slides and I, you know, I you know, reviewed those slides and then I went there. And I remember what she did. She did sort of like, okay, she actually also accepted my sort of unpreparedness. So she had all this prepared, like what she want to say and when to say something and if this slide counts, what to say. And so we were doing this kind of practice session. So she says, like, okay, I will start off first and we'll say this and this and this. And then what do you say? And I was like, I have to sort of made it up and I will look at the slide. So during that time, we were, uh, uh, I don't know, I think we were far more than prepared. Afterwards, I was like, oh, okay, good. It's going to start. So yeah, both of us walked to the college hall and open the door. I remember open the door, you know, I sort of opened the door and I saw the sea of people, like two, three hundred students. I was like, oh God. And then in the front, there was the worst part, it was all these deacons of the university and everyone was sitting there, you know, in this proper clothing. I was like, oh God, I should have prepared better. So as soon as I opened the door, my heart was like, getting, you know, sweating. So I sort of, you know, very uncomfortable. You walk up there and find a space to sit, you know, and I was like, I couldn't really speak anymore, talk. And then, um, you know, and I wasn't really uh, finished doing that. And then our names were called, right? Wendy and my, my wife said, my, my lay name. So, oh, God, I'll go down, go down, go down. And then, <clears throat> and then uh, we started and... Uh, then I start to, what is the English word? Brabbling? Like, this is the word. Like, you just mumble, start mumbling and start saying something, and you don't really know what you're saying, and you start saying something sort of correct. And luckily, we prepared a bit, so I didn't know what I was saying. But then, when I start mumbling often, I say things unintentionally. Then the words that sort of get connected have different meanings, and I have that all the time because I'm not so prepared. And then suddenly everyone is laughing. I'm like, what did I say, you know? And then she was laughing as well. I never, actually, I never found out what I said wrong or did I said something funny. But I do remember that moment of uh, uh, the first minutes. It's like really uncomfortable. And then I don't really know what to say. But after a while, you know, with any presentation I've seen and after, you know, after that I've done many more times, I present smaller and bigger groups. 
that, you know, the nervousness gets, gets lesser over, you know, like in the beginning it's a bit nervous. And it still was like that, like uh, just before I started uh, meditation. I don't know what I'm going to say. And, uh, but I trust my own mind. My own mind is, um, is uh, very restless. Very, um, if you could see in my mind, uh, it's very um, active, you know. There's a lot of things being told. I tell myself a lot, not tell, but there's a lot of messages coming in in my mind. And I trust that in the sense of I trust it in the sense of when I sit there, I will get worried and get nervous. And then things will come up. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's good to talk about. And that usually helps me. So uh, I usually have, uh, as people know me, I have never have uh, uh, enough things. I have always things to say. My life has always been around... Uh, I have enough things to say, but I'm not sure if you have the time to listen. That's usually my problem. And um, during um, this time, uh, uh, one of the things that came up was uh, for me that I could see that um, I, I thought I would like to s share something what I sort of thought about and how my mind works and uh, how that sort of, and how I struggle with it and, and challenge myself also here uh, how to live my life. And uh, one of the quotes that came up, I thought it was really clever, it was, the mind is the forerunner of all things. That's correct? The Dhammapada, number one, I thought, oh, let's throw that one in. And um, I could see that, uh, you know, like when my mind, um, I think for maybe a, I mean, a projection on myself, uh, a lot of people might think I'm very restless. I think that's true. Very active, uh, talkative, uh, nosy, like to meddle in people's business and ask people questions, maybe also nothing to do with you or with me, actually, that I should not know, but you know, I, I tend to do that. And uh, maybe for some people that know me less and don't talk to me less, I'm the one that runs around the monastery in all corners and you see me doing things, whatever that is. And um, in my mind, it, it is very similar. Uh, how I experience it is like, uh, if you yeah, compare it to an email box, like I guess we all have emails. Uh, one of the examples is that, uh, you know, you have the screen and you have your email there. Right? And there's all these new, new emails, you know, in black, darker black. And you sit down there. My mind is like this, right? You sit down there. And it's like, plunk, one more email. Plunk, 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 plunk. That's my mind. And it comes with all these thoughts, you know, like, oh, that's great, that's great. <laughs> and my practice is really to, and I notice that here because it is very difficult, my practice is really to breathe in, breathe out. Okay, okay, look at that. Okay, don't react, you know, bloom, 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 bloom. oh, no, good idea, what is that, you know, and then, you know, 10 minutes later, you get lost in that whole thing, you're like, oh, out, and then all these messages keep coming up, and it's really hard for me to uh, practice staying here, being with, with myself here, and just let things happen, and um, it's also similar to maybe nowadays, people have mobile phones, you know, just try to meditate, put your phone like this, turn the sound on, and just let it rip, you know, just let everything know, you know, you know, something like that. That is my mind. And I have to learn to mute it, you know, to mute my mind. Uh, and uh, also sort of to disengage, you know, silent mode, you know, put yourself in silent mode or airplane mode, you know, that's all something that uh, these days you, you can put your phones in. And to me, what really helped a lot was um, when I came here, and also one of the reasons that I wanted to stay here, uh, rather than all the other places, like when you, when I sort of, <clears throat> it was a bit of an accident, I was on my career path, you know, making money and, you know, uh, being ambitious, doing all kinds of things, learning skills and in a commercial setting. And then uh, I came, you know, one of the good things to do was also meditate, you know, according to uh, some things, you know, like uh, things that I read. And I ended up in this retreat center one day, uh, one year. And uh, I joined a retreat with Ajahn Anando and Ajahn Janto. And uh, the people that know Ajahn Janto, Ajahn Anando, Ajahn Janto likes to talk about present moment, uh, this moment. So what do you do? This moment. And then, okay, then this moment. And then what? This moment. And this is all he talks about, this moment. 
it's a bit, a bit frustrating, but uh, to me, my mind was like, yeah, yeah, but what next? You know, what next? And what next? Because my mind is really about always, what next? What is the becoming? What is the next thing that I can do? There's all these things that I want to do, all this energy in my body here that's sort of, you know, coming out. Also in my, you know, just watch it, watch it, okay, watch it, watch it, watch it. And in some strange way, I found a release in there, the sort of peace that I have never actually experienced. I, I, <clears throat> I, I train myself as a lay person very much into a skill and learning uh, things that are uh, maybe difficult, you know, like oops, uh, with you know speaking. It wasn't clearly when I was eighteen. It wasn't definitely not something I would like to do. But clearly, um, in the business terms, called ambitious. You want to learn these skills, and uh, so you move yourself into some uncomfortable. I, I have no problem after a while to move myself into uncomfortable areas. You know, like okay, it's uncomfortable, but let's do it step by step and keep doing it, keep doing it. And um, <clears throat> that was similarly with meditation. Meditation, I do remember the good old days when, you know, I put those, the phone there and I put like 10 minutes meditation. I'm not sure if you've done that. You push a timer, click, start, and go and sit down. Okay. You know, close down the windows and doors. And, you know, go right <sighs> Such a long time. And I look at it, it's one minute past, you know. Okay, 30 seconds past, all right. I do remember the, those times, it was, and I didn't really understand why, why, what was happening to me, why did I have to look, and now I can explain it a bit better. I still have that, of course, but maybe after 40 minutes, or after one hour, or after, you know, if there's too many messages coming, then I have that maybe quicker. It is the, the, the you know, that sense of... Um, uh, unpleasantness, very feeling, especially in the body, there are these sort of uh, physical sensations that are sort of just unpleasant, you know, uh, you want to move, you want to, you want to think about something, you want to do something else, like everything except this. And for me to uh, come to peace with it at the time was really about uh, observing it, so you sit down, and then just realizing, you know, for, for instance, me with restlessness in my, in my own experience isn't really much about a very unpleasant feeling here in the stomach area, and then tense area coming all the way up, you know, and then, the, 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 you know, the shoulder blades, the neck, tense, and then especially here, it's super tense, you know, at the time. So if I was aware of it, and I wasn't aware of it at the beginning, so you know, you get propelled to think, propelled to, to do things. But being more aware of these thoughts and you know, the messages I was talking about, like in the beginning, it's just you're defenseless. Any message that's come in, you know, a thousand per minute, you know, you can't just, you know, you can't just avoid them, you know, one after another one. And maybe after some time, you present moment, stay, and you see maybe two messages once, you know, not on the first message, but on the second message. And later on the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, you know, it goes on like that. And each time, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of um, attention, concentration, teeth gritting, you know, uh, to, to go through that. And what also what happens then is that the more I was more present, and, you know, after, you know, I could maybe, let's say, skip 100 messages before I get distracted, which is like 10 seconds later, is that you also have a chance to see how your body is, how that body, like in my case, the head, you know, so tense, you know. And I couldn't be aware of this tenseness of my head and shoulders because I was so occupied with what is, you know, if, if, if I have to visualize it, it's like goggles here, you know, like sort of goggles with a screen and, you know, that all these things are coming at you. I was just too, for, too occupied here. And then by skipping a few messages, you could suddenly feel how tense all this area is and this area. And then the more messages I could skip at one time, the more I could feel how the body, how tense it is actually. Each time I have to think and react. And, 
and after a very long while, maybe a few years being here actually, that um, I could finally sort of sense like this abdomen, especially in the solar plexus here for me. It's always pushed up, and that's a very an unpleasant, restless kind of feeling in order to always, always want to keep doing things, you know. It's just sitting down is not nice. And I do remember when I was five or six, I remember running as a kid, you know, like a room like this, you're running, 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 running. And then I remember I thought like, why is no one running? Why am I the only one running, you know? But I do remember that it was the body making me to run and that I had to run because it felt better. Because not running felt like, yeah, you know, that's why I, I feel, you know, when I see kids running nowadays or I have a more appreciation and understanding of, yeah, you just have to let them, you know, they're growing, the body's growing, maybe it's pains, and it's just unpleasant. And by running, it feels better. And I think we as adults, we are trained often uh, maybe a bit too much, like all of you now, sitting quietly, not moving, you know, in this setting, being quiet. And that's something we train ourselves uh, to do, but um, that is not maybe something, it's not maybe in sync with the body. The body might not feel like that. And uh, in the past, I wasn't so aware of my bodily energies. So after a while, being more aware of my bodily energies, I could better sort of less resist it. So if you're not so, or if I wasn't so aware, I was sort of pushing it back or sort of holding my stomach or holding this, it was really tense. And what after a while, it was more like letting go, you know, what they would call letting go, what I would also sort of signify as letting go, just be, and then even though it sort of poke you, you let it poke basically, sort of poke, okay. And then it's sort of, you sort of fight against it a little bit, but immediately sort of, okay, let it, be painful or unpleasant. And what happened after a while is that, you know, you get used to that sensation of being poked, being unpleasant here, unpleasant there. And I would say something magically happens in the body and sort of like after a while, it sort of start feeling a bit more at ease with it. You, you're okay with this unpleasantness. And then the body feels like the, it's like the energies or the blood are flowing much more, uh, um, and much more easier, like undisturbed. So now often I have these kind of feelings, rather than a pinpoint feeling, it feels more like, Ooh, oh, and it goes through the head and then back. And it feels very nice. It feels like a bit of like a, you know, like you take a hot shower, you know, the, the water goes down there, it's very nice, and hot when, you, when you're cold. That kind of feeling, sort of like relaxing. Oh, you know. and, um, and that's, how I see it, that uh, that makes a, a big difference to being able to sit longer on that safu, on the cushion here, and to withstand all these messages that come in. And <clears throat> by doing that, um, with these energies, what I also see is that every poke in the past or every sort of cramp that I sort of resisted, uh, the mind sees it as a negative feeling or something negative, unpleasant, unwholesome. And then this kind of negative, unwholesome thought co-arise. So in the past, maybe I have more thoughts that I was really annoyed with, things, you know, either myself, of other people, or, or things that happened in life, or, you know, when you read the news, there's plenty of things that you could get upset about. And it seems to me that, you know, um, not being aware of that in the past, uh, and a lot of restless energy created this path for me, like uh, the, the becoming path. Like um, if I would have to visualize it, uh, uh, life, my, my, yeah, I have to visualize it. My life moves forward. I'm the restless being, right? That always going forward, and I always want to do something, right? It doesn't matter. Meditation is also part of that. You know, okay, well, I do meditation now, and. If I wasn't aware of all that, what happens is that I have this inbuilt energies or, or feelings or, or, or tendencies that I can use. And these are, you know, things that I can grab. So, for instance, now I can use a clock, uh, some water, uh, tissues, this. I cannot use, let's say, bacon and eggs. They are not here. Or pizza or a, um, something else. Or that fan is too far. So in my immediate being, there are these emotions, uh, 
moods, thoughts that is here. And with all these sort of uh, unaware bodily feelings, um, they sort of push me in a way and activate certain things, you know. So if the path is in front of me and I'm so restless and I sort of want to move forward, do things, the only thing I can do are all the things that I have. I cannot do things that I don't have. Like in the past will be patience, you know, I don't have any patience for anything in the past. I mean, some of you can still see that, but it was really difficult. No patience for anything. I'll just you know, snap at people, talk to people very directly, and say, what do you mean? What do you mean? Why are you not doing that? Oh, okay, nonsense. Okay, what, what about you, you know? Which, you know, I quite like my life at the time, like that. I find it, you know, especially when I was working, was you know, appreciated, you know? So I keep uh, developing that. And uh, I could see that that is just my future. My future is just the things that you have and, uh, and also have developed. So going back to that when I was 18 with my presentation and talking in, uh, to people, that is something I had. You know, I could do that. I also get nervous, but differently. And I could see that um, with meditation or the way I learned it or present moment, there were new things being developed. I suddenly had... Um, more things at my disposal that I could use. And often, you know, patience is one. Uh, uh, observing is another one. Observing is not something I would say uh, uh, the wider way of observing, observing oneself, my own actions, my own speech, my own thoughts, my intention, you know. Not able to see my own intention. That was also one of the big ones. I was just doing things out of, I think it's the right thing to do. And then, of course, then later on you regret and a bit muddle-headed why you did things like that. But now, you know, uh, observing intention is also part of the things that I, you know, at times could do and, and, and use. And that's the thing in front of me now, like when I want to, with my restless nature, want to do things, there are things I can pick up and use now. And uh, not all of them are, you know, you know, I was talking to uh, with guests the other day, like, you know, like games, you know, like you, know, you have levels, right, when you, people that play games. You know, that, uh, you know, you, you get an axe, you know, you find an axe somewhere, you, you, you have to slay and kill zombies or something, and then he drops an axe, you pick up the axe and put it here, oh, I have an axe, I have a sword, a shield. And uh, what you use with that is like, okay, when you want to find, you pick an axe and you whack them, right? But these axes in, in those games, for those that don't play games, uh, there's are levels, you know, the more you use it, the more experience you get, so the more better it becomes, or you pick up a better axe, you know, and it becomes level two, level three, level ten. So also, what is in front of me, <clears throat> things that comes at you, uh, also have levels, if you want to see it like that. Uh, like, uh, you know, sadness or anger, you know. Level one anger, easy to conquer. Level ten, ten anger, depends on your, you know, do you have an ex that is level ten as well, you know, otherwise, you know, you, you can't defeat it or take it, take it down or be, be present with it. So too, for me, I can see that um, there's a lot of practice going on, like, you know, with patience and present moment, sitting down. It took time. It took a lot of time. I mean, in initial insights, you might have insights, and I hope many of you as well, it's like, oh, right, you know, you had the meditation experience. That is it. This is it, you know. And that's like feeling like, you know, you find an axe, you know, and suddenly you have, you know, it's in instead of this kind of uh, stick, you have an axe, you know, you just whack it and, you know, the wood splits, oh, easy. And um, <clears throat> you suddenly have this insight that works, you know, that works and calm, pacifying mind or things that you were, you know, your lot of thoughts, worry, anxiety, and suddenly it disappeared. And ho hopefully you realize what it was, that it was this axe. And some, you know, often also I didn't know what has happened, but by keep doing it, you find like, oh, yeah, if you pick up this thing, this actually works. And what also doesn't, you know, like the, the levels, the more you use it, the more familiar you are. And that's, I think, what a lot of my teachers have told me that, you know, you have to keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing different techniques, different ways, and to find how to use these things. They become multifunctional. You know, one of the classics is, for instance, uh, metta, meditation, love and kindness. Yeah, maybe to a lot of people, like, yeah, what doesn't, you know, how does that work? It doesn't work. Maybe it's because, we have anger, you know, level 100. And then you start using meta with level half or zero or one. Yeah, that's not going to work, you know. So uh, it takes time. It takes time uh, in one way to 
be aware of the level of anger, you know, how to deal with anger. And it takes time to cultivate and develop uh, metta or uh, any of the meditation practices. And if you really look at the level 100 anger, I'm, I have to confess I did shout today at some particular person here today because of a need. But uh, I'm, I not often have anger, anger thoughts or angry thoughts. I'm more the, the restless, inquisitive, want to fix things, change things thoughts, you know, which is also quite annoying to people. And um, these are thoughts, you know, they were, let's say, level 100 in the beginning and, you know, sitting on, on a cushion and have all these ideas and the phone is going on and off all the time. It's really difficult to sit still and be aware and observe. So one of the things that I just explained is being aware of the body, being aware of, then of, you know, of the thoughts, or you can say be more in harmony with oneself, uh, sitting, you know, uh, for instance, what I had to stop doing is, for instance, taking a lot of caffeine or eating a lot of sugar before coming here. It's just a recipe for disaster for myself, you know. For some people, it's sort of like getting awake, you know. But for me, it's like, no, it's, uh, it's too much. So I, 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 I be careful not doing that. And then um, the other thing is to, uh, to watch the messages. messages coming in and in the past I would attend to most of them but then I start developing also because you have this peace of mind a little bit more and more what are the messages you should react on and what should you just forget about okay ding 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 you know come in I mean in meditation I try at least uh, to ignore all of them except the one try to stay in the present you know go back to your meditation object but during the day you know there are all these thoughts and things coming and then you sort of have to, you know, watch these things and, all right, these messages or these things yeah, in my arsenal, you know, the anger, the one that with the anger, the one with the sadness and stuff like that. Okay, just leave them, it's okay. Or, or actually, also more and more I leave the, you know, like the things I want to change and fix things also, I leave them more and more. And don't react on them and just, then the, the, the phrase, because after a while you practice like that, or I practice and I wonder like, I become passive, you know, I don't know what to do. I feel sort of pointless and lifeless, and that is not me, that's not what I am. And I said, like, oh, I don't want to do anything now, and I just want to sleep the whole day, and you know. Uh. And I was thinking, well, that maybe this is how uh, a lot of people feel here, because uh, I'm one of the active ones, and I'm always thinking, oh, they don't want to do anything here. That's sort of uh, my world, right? <clears throat> and um, you feel, I felt a sense of dread, a sense of, yeah, also unhappiness, and and this is also what comes, you know, it's very much uh, trained to do what I want, think what I want, say what I want, eat what I want, etc., etc. <clears throat> and as soon as you don't do that, uh, other things are happening. Like in the case of public speaking, or speaking to people will be nervousness, anxiety, uh, not knowing what to say, uh, sweating, uh, bodily uncomfortable, uncomfortableness. But in the case of not be able to follow my thoughts uh, is uh, boredom, uh, no direction in life, uh, depressed a bit maybe, you know, like, oh, there's no sense in any of this. And that kind of energies uh, or, or things that I've often, like I can say that most of the time I haven't actually experienced that in my life. It's not something I relate myself with any of that because, I, you know, with all these messages, I have enough things that I would like to do and at any time. And um, in the beginning, I would then sort of uh, start doing things and then regretting it because then it seems like the messages multiply again and stop doing it and then the message disappear and I get this sense of dread again and I'm starting and stopping and starting and stopping it and stopping it for a long time and uh, uh, not be able to, to bear it. Like for people that know in the winter retreat, my, in the good old days, the winter retreat was very nice for two weeks. After that, it was just one hell, hell realm for two and a half months, you know, like, wow, so bad. I remember Ajahn Arasilo came in, you know, do -do 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 -do, and then he makes some tea, and I was like, Ajahn, how are you doing? And uh, I remember he telling me at the uh, last two weeks of the winter retreat, he says, oh, I wish that it goes longer. I was like, is he mad that he says something? 
I said, like, uh, two months ago, I was hoping and wishing that it was over, but, you know, I just grit my teeth to survive. And uh, <coughs> that's why also you see a lot of us uh, start creating projects in, you know, great projects. Uh, during the winter retreat, you know, like for those that have done the winter retreat, you see one of the monks or nuns or anagaric suddenly doing something in a monastery or in a workshop, working at things, you know, very important. And uh, I also have the most brightest and best ideas in the, in the winter retreat that I have to do. And I think it's only once, like, maybe last year that I started finally feel like, oh, that was nice, three months. Well, not one day more, but that was good enough. So it took quite a long time, you know, to, to, to pacify and uh, get, get used to that. Because in the mind, uh, the mind trains, and I, you know, the mind is the forerunner of all things. I train my mind. Uh, we all can do that, and we—I mean, whether you do it consciously or not consciously—in good and bad. You know, and that's why I see, see it. You know, carrot and a stick. You know, carrot uh, doing better you know, in, in my in the past. What I uh, when as a lay person uh, doing more ambitious and you know, moving out in a uh, you know, discomfort zone, uh, uh, being able to perform whatever in that environment more is good. And anything that holds you bad, back, sorry, anything that holds you back is bad. So keep, you know, keep sort of hitting myself. You know, like, you know, if I was a horse rider and there's a horse in front of me, you give a carrot when he does well and you, you, you hit him when he doesn't do well. And that's sort of like uh, the feeling of uh, following up the messages, doing all these things. And, and then uh, if, you, if I didn't attend to them, if I was sitting down, that was the, the stick, you know, no, no, very uncomfortable, no. And it's also very much conditioned after, you know, after a while I, I noticed that. And um, it can, I could trace it quite back to, you know, how I, my upbringing, you can say. I mean, you know, some people will say, just blame your parents, and in some way that's right. But it's also, you know, what choice do you have, you know? You're being brought up with the people you, you are there with. I grew up in a, uh, uh, my family has their own business, and I remember, when I was eight or nine, I'm 40, so I was in the late 80s, for the people that want to know. And in the late 80s, one of the things of uh, kids to do was uh, sitting, crouching down like this, in front of the television, and just mom yourself down and watch it. And also fighting with my sister, I had a younger sister, who can you know, use the remote, and zapping, right? Who's the remote boss? That was always the fight we had at home. And um, <clears throat> of course, I was aware. I lifted, you know, we had a restaurant. I lift, so we lift above the restaurant, around it. And often, you can, you know that uh, parents are busy with something. And I remember, am I exaggerating? Eight, ten, ten. Let's say ten, nine, ten. I was sitting down there, and uh, you know, busy fighting with my sister and watching television. And uh, my father goes into the living room and says, "Hey, come." I was like, "Oh no." What? Go do wash up. Like what? Wash up. And then okay. Then you go up to wash up. And um, then you know washing up in restaurant, right? It's all these things are coming a bit like what you guys do, but then uh, every weekend and then uh, by yourself and then um, and it keeps coming. You guys can do it all in one go. But it's like you don't know how busy it will be. And you know, if you have ever been to a restaurant and you've never done that work, just imagine everything you order has to go back and get cleaned, whatever you order, right? And everyone comes at different times, uh, and everyone orders different things, and everything is just dirty, and you have to, you know, uh, clean all, all this up. I remember the dread I had, you know, and the fear that, oh, you know, next weekend was like, oh, he doesn't ask, and then of course he asks, and no, I don't need to ask, oh, and then he asks. Because at that time, the first time he asked, I give him credit for it, that uh, he, he, you know, we had young teenagers at the time that, uh, you know, you pay them a few guilders in those times, and they will come, you know, do the job, part-time job, all fair, fair and square, and uh, they didn't show up at that time, and I was called in. And stupid as I am at the time, again, huh, stupid, I would say, uh, I did uh, a too well of a job that my father says, wow, my kid can do it by himself. And I normally have to pay two kids to do that. How about you doing it? But he didn't tell me that. But he just, you know, without announcing, yeah, just, you know, just come and do it. My Chinese parents 
did not had a culture of, you know, in the weekends go and play with friends or something. So we were always screwed at home, you know. There's no, you know, like we were always there basically. And soon I found myself all my weekends from my 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, doing that, working in the restaurant. And you can imagine that uh, the mind that I have, you know, want to be good, want to be praised, don't want to be blamed, uh, want to be, uh, you know, I had this problem, I guess not everyone have that, but uh, in some way, shape or form, you want to do well. And I have trained myself, after I come here, I realized that being active is good, doing something is good, not doing something is bad. So how that came to across, you know, like before I could see all these messages and being sort of, uh, sort of a bit more like, oh, what's happening in my mind? Things were just more given, you know, like whatever I thought, that was how I thought, not thinking as a, as a message. It was just how I am, how I, you know. So in the first few years, I think it took a few years, I will be running around and, and doing things, you know, and I see some of you, I'm very happy to see some of you, and a few in the garrics and monks as well still, busy doing all kinds of things in the monastery and being vocal about it and changing this. So I delight in that because I see myself uh, uh, in the past doing that. And I remember uh, in, the, in the monks area, we have what we call a common room. And it's a place, maybe, um, I'm guessing, maybe eight by four meters, you know. But yeah, actually what you have also in the lounges here, it's a similar size. And we can make our own tea and, and whatever and drinks and sit down, have a chat with, with people. I remember very vividly in the, during the morning, like the whole day, uh, I will be the one walking up, from, up and down on that way, going back through whatever and then walking out. And I will see monks sitting down there at the time. I was like, oh. All these people doing nothing, sitting down the whole time. They're so lazy. You know, that's just messages coming in, right? Uh, and um, uh, being useless and, uh, you know, don't, don't do anything, basically. You know, all these messages coming in, and I read them all, and I just, yeah, that's how it is, right? World is like that. I'm the one that's active. I'm doing a lot of things, and all you guys are sitting down there doing nothing and having tea or something. But when I'm sitting down, because I also, at one time, I have to sit down because I cannot go on forever, I'm resting, I'm taking a break between all my important things that I'm doing. I'm not like all them doing nothing and being lazy, you know? When I'm sitting down and having coffee and having a chat, it's all purposeful and worthwhile and I deserve it and all that kind of stuff. That took me a while to see that. It took me a while uh, to, again, if we go back, you know, with the energies in the body, the messages that come in, staying put, restlessness coming up, being aware of that, and not believing all these things that are coming, all these tools that I have that was thrown in my mind, and the path and the horse that were going always in a certain direction. It's like the carrot that I used to give, you know, to do more, do more, do more, you know, uh, take it away, or give half of it, you know, or give them something not nice, you know, put something in like a, like, you know, you know, like a rotten carrot that, you know, when you do it, you're like, oh, it's not that pleasant anymore, you know, like certain things that I start doing um, <clears throat> become less uh, rewarding. And then when I'm not doing it, the stick that I had make it less strong. So the feeling of uh, not feeling pleasant, feeling useless, yeah, just leave those thoughts aside. It's easy to say, but it's sort of the same practice that you do with restlessness or the thoughts that are coming in, and also the same thoughts about the other things, and just staying with it. Let it come and pass. And um, in the beginning, maybe very, you know, levels, you were very good at, or I was very good maybe at a, the restless part, but not at the I feeling useless part. And after a while, the, the things that you learn here, you can apply also on this, and it takes some time, because this doesn't arise before you well, before I could understand this part, the restlessness part goes to let it be, and then this counter measurement comes up. And it goes a bit like this the whole time, you know, like once you get this a little bit better, then you become more restless in that level, not as restless as it used to be, but still you could feel very restless, and then it goes down, it goes down. It's like, you know, the X in the sword, you know, if that is, you know, you use a sword for restlessness and an X for feeling hopeless or lazy, you have to level them both up. 
and keep doing that, uh, and it takes time. And then you have this existential crisis even more, worse, <clears throat> because yeah, the more you do it, you feel like, what is the point of life? Why should I do anything? This is just restlessness, pure restlessness, and this is pure dreading. Neither I could follow. Why should I do anything, right? I mean, I'm not in that level that I have, uh, that level, you know, that I'm not following anything, but there will be time, uh, moments in time or periods in, in time that when you do these things, you feel the sense of you're losing it, or I don't know what I should do in life. And just luckily, there are, in the monastery, you have this uh, routine. You just come to the puja, and there's not much to think about, you know. And, um, and you go and eat, you know, you've got to eat, and you've got to do, take a shower, and go to the toilet. And luckily, uh, in, my, in my lay life, I would have been more focused on, on you know, purpose, am I, you know, creating your own purpose and, and what I want to do. And a monastery can just turn off the, you know, if you don't really know what to do, there's still a lot of things that you have to do, which is make his life quite easy. And one day I asked Kajanamro about it, and uh, I felt like, a, <clears throat> you know, I don't know what to do, I feel so lazy, I don't know, and I want to sleep the whole day and the whole afternoon, and, you know, don't know, I feel no sense of doing anything, so very much this thing, right? That this dreading and coming up. Najanamu tells me a story about when he was uh, a younger monk and um, we had Sunday talks, like what we do have now. And apparently they only had these two toilets at the public, you know, next to the library, there's these two toilet blocks. And um, <clears throat> apparently there was a lot of people coming, people use the toilet and, uh, you know, it's just, how it works, the more people use something, the more dirty it gets. And uh, he was there cleaning up after, you know, out of Sunday talks by himself, cleaning that thing. And he told me that, uh, you know, one day he has this thought, oh, great, I'm so, you know, great that I'm, I'm the only one cleaning the toilets here, you know, like how great, you know, you know how fantastic I am. I can relate to that. And uh, he says, ooh, when he realized that one day, Again, you know, the messages are coming in and we have to realize these. Oh. He says, the trick is, get rid of these thoughts, but don't stop doing it. Doing, you know, the cleaning of the toilet. I was like, oh, all right, that's good, that's good. Then I realized, wow, yes, that is difficult. It's difficult for me to do something that I think it's good, that I think, well, people will love it or like it or whatever. I just don't expect myself to praise myself or other people praising me or, you know, that all, you know, uh, expecting something, expectations of oneself and someone else. That is really difficult. To me, it is very difficult because I have programmed myself very much into carrot and stick, you know, and uh, telling myself uh, if I am a good presenter, you know, in my business career, then um, I will get a lot of rewards. You know, and a lot of the other skills that I had to learn. But now you actually should do things that are right, the right thing to do. That's kind of difficult. Just do something that is right at the right time. That's very difficult. To me, it was very difficult, or it's still very difficult. Like uh, sometimes you feel very tired. I remember uh, often, <clears throat> like, uh, you know, like uh, after George Sharp's funeral a few days ago. Had a whole day, whole day of things, you know. We also were doing the wash up, and before that, I don't know, something was happening, and in the morning, something was happening. I had to help preparing the, the, the setup. I mean, it was not a very big deal, but you know, the whole day you were occupied. And then you have the funeral, you sit down there and um, doing all these things together. And the first thing you want to do after that, after that finish is to run away, right? You know, get out of here. But um, I still had some time and, uh, uh, and some energy. And usually I don't help with setting things up. I felt, okay, let's help out. And that is something I could see that has changed. That has changed uh, that if I can do it, I will do it. And I'll try to do it. And if I cannot, that's also fine. So if I would walk away, you know, if people will later will say, you know, Ajahn Finita was very uh, instrumental and, uh, and the sisters to set it up and clear it up, and Ajahn Vinita will maybe later say, hey, where were you? You know, I was the only one there and didn't help. I will feel a bit bad, 
but that's another message. And uh, I'll try to do better, but you know, at the time I might have thought that ah, I was really tired or I was really not able to do so. So then I walk away and then, you know, you, then, then you know, like whatever you do, you can praise and blame for both things. And uh, whatever it is good, there's also bad. And it depends really much on how people see it. And um, there are always, you know, absolutes that certain things maybe that's absolutely bad, everyone will agree. But most things there are not, you know. And uh, in the monastery, if I, I, I used to live my life more about finding things, you know, to do that get praised. And what happened is that I overworked myself, get burned, get um, maybe also a bit unhappy because then you get not enough praise, you know, you do all these extra things, but no one's looking at me and telling me how great I am or what fantastic job I did. And the worst is, is when people start blaming you and telling you, why did you move this? Why did you do that? Why did you not ask, you know? And uh, I once, I remember, you know, uh, for all the, the undergarments, I used to do the larder as well and the stores. And I was very eager and a lot of people have seen me in the afternoon doing all kinds of things there. And I can tell me I single-handedly changed everything, where things were and how things should be organized without asking, without consulting, everything was better in my mind. And of course, I got the whole monks and nuns on me and like, wow, why did you move this and change this and whatever? And I feel so dreadful because I was expecting a carrot, right? Lots of carrots from all of you. And only I thought was I was being hit all the time. And I thought it was so unfair because I spent all this work and effort and thoughts and uh, it was all great, look at this, you know, like whatever, you know, you can imagine whatever story you have about yourself how you do things, it's, it's better than what other people would have thought. And I just couldn't see it. I remember that day, you know, I walked, you know, cool, to Ajahn Sumedho. Ajahn Sumedho was still there in 2010. So oh, I feel so bad and so, you know, hopeless and everyone is blaming me and I don't know what to do. And uh, I didn't cry though, but uh, it, it felt like that in myself, right? It felt crying, you know, like, uh, and Ajahn Sumedho was, uh, and at the time, Ajahn Sumedho was saying, like, oh, you know, with a big smile, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> he's telling me, oh, yeah, 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 that's a feeling, you know, that's a feeling that's really bad, you know, it's a very uncomfortable feeling. And then he said, you know what is worse? I say, what is worse? What? Can we be worse? If you didn't do it and people blame you for something, that is worse. And uh, I was like, oh, well, that's right, that's correct. And he says, it doesn't matter, like, whatever, even if you did it, you know, and people blame you, and you if you didn't do it and people blame you, it's equally you know, un unpleasant. And he say, you know what is pleasant? It's being praised. Whether you did it or not, you know, if you didn't do it, it's also good, you know? And then I sort of realized, yeah, so true. Why did I wrap myself in my own world to praise myself and to blame myself and the outside world, let's call it, and praise myself and blame myself and waiting for praise and blame. And there was a lot of uh, mechanism in my mind, in my, you know, future was like that, why am I walking here and not there? Because here are the carrots to be reaped and, and expected. And over there only sticks can be expected. So I, my future, my becoming, every moment, every day, next day, I fill it up with all these uh, pathways that lead to, led to all the so-called carrots that I could have. And uh, they don't always plan out, as you know, but you, it's a bit like statistics. Just keep walking on the things that you, you do more and more. And that's so, quite true with what I would call meditation. Uh, when you walk on it, it feels very much that you're being punished. Uh, that's how my experience is very uncomfortable and very unpleasant. Um, but I did notice, and luckily I would say, I did notice that it takes more time to get a carrot, let's say, my own internal carrot. And uh, we need a little bit of faith, you know, in, in that uh, faith in order to dare to trot on, on things that you don't feel comfortable, don't feel nice about it, uh, feels maybe counterintuitive. And that is sort of like the sort of brainwashing, let's say, that we have to do internally or that I have to do internally to try uh, Often, I would say, try often what the, you know, what the other uh, elders have told me. 
and to, you know, like when I surely disagree with people to do, you know, certain things, and they say, yeah, please, please, you know, try to do that, and I'm like, oh, that's going to go wrong, that's not going to go like that. And you know, sometimes it's true, but sometimes it's not true. Sometimes it's not that sure what you do, uh, that what you think is right. And uh, especially with meditation, I have found um, um, undeniable. Uh, if, if, you know, if the Buddha said that uh, um, the jewels, you know, something precious, you know, like lots of money, let's say, for people, or uh, uh, where is that to be found? You know, how do you win the lottery here? It's uh, what they say in the Sangha. The Sangha has, uh, is deep, you know, meaning the community of people that practice, particularly, you know, people wearing robes, but anyone who practice and practice. You don't know who practice well, who practice rightly, insightfully. You don't know. But um, what happened, and what, uh, what I have experienced here so far, is that when you come to a bottleneck in your meditation practice, try. Try to ask any of us here. Try to ask the Ajahn. And as you know, Ajahn Suchito Kish came, Ajahn Vijiro. That is something I, I found I cannot ask anywhere else. I have, you know, if I go out and I visit my friends in Holland and, you know, or people that are rich or poor or important people, not important people, I have found a higher percentage, like good results, let's say, and appropriate results when I ask one of, you know, uh, my monastic friends. And I would say that is precious to me because I'm very concerned about uh, my own path. I can see it's still riddled, filled with holes, troubles, unhappiness sometimes, self-criticism, anxiety, unwholesomeness, also happiness, you know, uh, short-term happiness, a lot, a lot of short-term happiness leading maybe to less happier states after that. After that. And I often, more often than not, when I listen to, uh, you know, read books, uh, Buddhist, you know, or Dhamma, or listen to talks, listen to what the Ajahn says, or the questions and answers I have with uh, some people here, often has led to, really, is it something, I don't trust that, um, okay, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'll try and try. Not all, everything works, but, you know, Many things have worked by now that I have, if you have asked myself based on my rational mind and my ability and skills, I would not have predicted that. That it will lead to results that I cannot even phantom what that could be. Meaning like, a, um, it's very similar to, um, you know, at one time in my life I was, um, I'm not like an athlete kind of type, um, not really exercised a lot in my life. But somewhere in my 20s, you know, a lot of coffee and fast food, uh, junk food and driving cars and being a sales guy, I started to have to balance that with a bit of exercise. So I found myself some kind of exercise thing. Uh, every week I joined a group and um, become quite fanatic about it. And, you know, that's how my personality is. So very, very into it, fanatic. I remember that uh, I became a bit more fit and um, I could... Uh, so let's say, do the exercise for more than an hour, two hours, three hours. And, of course, you know, how good am I? But actually what the hidden benefit for me was at the time that I realized was I slept better. When I sleep, I wake up, the body is just great, more solid. You know, I'd worked better. Plus, uh, by sleeping better, I enjoyed the day better. And um, I also could feel my body better, like what's wrong with it, etc. So that is something that no one told me that it would be like that. And that is something that I could relate to in this kind of practice. Sometimes they give you all these crazy things here to do, you know, like for me it was really crazy to just say, oh, just don't follow that thought or just stay, you know, be quiet or... Ajahn, what do I do after this? Oh, just watch it, you know. I was like, oh, God, can you not tell me something else? No, 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 continue, continue. And then I have this kind of fantastic insight, I remember. Oh, I was got, um, by the way, I almost got enlightened, one of those thoughts. 
And I was asking for the last, you know, the last 5% what I should do, right? I knocked on Ajahn Amro's door. And one, I remember at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was all roped up and very official. And I was still in the garage. Knock, 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 knock. And I opened the door. And I remember Ajahn Amro looking at me like, what, the guy, what is this guy doing here? I put, put the seat down, bow three times, and ask Ajahn. And then I was planning to get inherit this kind of the esoteric teaching, you know, the life's last 5% of how to get enlightened. And then he gave me this kind of crazy story about when he was young and he was in Chithurst and there was the full moon and I was, where is this going? And then he's like, oh, right. And, and uh, that was the perfect day for his enlightenment. I was like, ah, there's he going. He's telling me the story. <laughs> and then uh, he goes on, yeah, there was this on the garage and uh, someone knocks on my, because there was all night sitting and, you know, one of the Ajahn, I don't know, maybe, maybe you know the story, but knock on the show and say, Ajahn, okay, what is it? Yeah, we have this anagaric. It's like, yeah. And uh, he went, went loopy in Chithurst. And um, uh, can you go and have a, a look after him? And he was like, but, 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 but enlightenment, you know, this, this, was, this was the day, he said. So, oh, okay, good. And he went and then uh, go and sit down over here because, you know, sometimes we have monastics that have experienced things uh, uh, and uh, it's very shocking to them and then they go funny. And that's quite nice to talk about it later, by the way, and gossip about it a little bit. But uh, at the time, it's a lot of care. And anyway, I didn't, uh, Amro Bhikkhu at the time, Tananamaro, had to go there and watch over him because he could do stupid things. So he sat down there and talked to him and, you know, and whatever. Long story short, in the morning he walked back. I guess there were change of shifts. And he was saying something like, oh, right. And then, oh, and then he thought about it. Oh, what about my enlightenment? And there's where the story stopped. I was like, uh, yes. And then he said, oh, please go. I walked away and I'm thinking like, what? He didn't tell me anything. And I have to say, of course, after maybe a year or something, or I have to sort of mean, oh, right. I now know what he was trying to tell me, what I couldn't see at the time. But uh, these are uh, helpful, I would say, that, um, you know, Ajans or people that have practiced more or longer, have stories that uh, can share with us that um, maybe went through the same kind of experiences and um, in their own practice and, and can tell us it's okay, it's okay. You know, like when I felt dreaded, you know, remember that I asked Ajahn as well and he tells me that story of the toilets. Also in a different way, he tells me it's okay, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, that's something we all experience. That's all, you know, it's okay. Whatever your experience is, is normal. Don't, don't freak out. And that is faith for me. Faith giving rise to just continue. Just continue to struggle, right? But just continue. It will be all right. You know, just stay on and stay with it. And I think that is very uh, helpful. Uh, it has been very helpful to me and for a restless being as myself to keep being... Uh, let's say, uh, reminded about all these levels, you know, the skills that I have here to level them up, you know, just keep keep doing what I was doing and, and trust that. And I think that, you know, what Long Pursumato often says, you know, trust the awareness. This is one of these tools, you know, that universal tool that, you know, that's not an axe, that it's like a multifunction, you know, weapon, you know, that you can use for anything. And uh, <clears throat> it is really up to us in some ways, up to us to practice, up to us to have faith, to, you know, cultivate, to, to get the faith up, the faith faculty, and by talking, asking, practicing, teaching, talking to people, uh, all of that. Uh, and you don't know what will work for you, but uh, all of that uh, is all helpful, and that has been very helpful to me. And also, you know, I would advise people also put yourself in more uncomfortable situations, things that you cannot do, but do it in steps. Like one of the things I remember when I was, you know, when you were doing the eight presets, uh, when I became an Anagarika, I, rem I remember, Nacha, Gita, Wadita, Visukha, Dasana, Mahalagan, you know, the whole thing. Oh, I can never learn that. That's too long. I can never learn that. I remember, you know, sitting down, and you have to in front, you have to do it with the Ajahn before you come out Anagarika. And now I look back, you know, now we have to memorize pages and pages full of stuff. That's the thing. Steps, you know, keep doing it. And I would encourage all of you, Whatever you have difficulties with, stay with it. Do it one time, you know, with the messages. Watch yourself. Uh, keep doing it. And uh, be, be honest to oneself. It's like, 
uh, if you feel hopeless, despair, is it really hopeless and despair? Or is it, you know, one message becomes two messages and three messages? It's not maybe the, the 1,000 per minute, but is it, you know, do you get some peace, some, you know, some, some awareness around it? And I think that is brutal honesty is important in the sense of, yeah, it goes slow, but it's going. And, and encourage oneself and have faith in yourself to keep, uh, keep going. So here I would like to end it and maybe also dedicate all the merits of my practice to my elder sister for tomorrow's her birthday. Okay, Avon. <laughs>